grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. again we continue under the theme of this is the epiphany season and Jesus is our epiphany Lord and epiphany means to shine forth and Jesus shone forth as the light in the world but also as the true son of God who came to pay for our sins and won for us the victory of forgiveness and eternal life our first lesson for this third Sunday after epiphany is found recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 8, beginning at the 19th verse. When they tell you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, shouldn't the people consult their God? Shouldn't they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if people do not speak according to this word, there will be no dawn for them. They will pass through the land distressed and starving. But when this takes place and they are starving, they will be frustrated and they will curse their king and their God. They will turn their faces upward and then they will look down to the ground. But I tell you, they will see only distress, darkness, and the gloom that brings anguish. They will be banished into thick darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom in the land that is in anguish in former times. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the later time he will cause it to be glorious along the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you like the joy at harvest time, like the celebration when people divide the plunder. For you have shattered the yoke that burdened them. You have broken the bar on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, as you did in the day of Midian. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 3, this is how we know that we have known him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I know him, but does not keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If anyone keeps God's word, the love of God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk his as Jesus walked. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one that you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you heard. At the same time, the command I am writing is new. It is true in Jesus and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is still in the darkness. And the one who loves his brother remains in the light, and nothing causes him to stumble. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness 
and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eye. The word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, beginning at the 12th verse. When Jesus heard that John was in prison, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. He did this to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and on those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, since they were fishermen. He said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. The gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is the gospel reading from Matthew from Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 12, I once again read these beautiful words. When Jesus heard that John was in prison, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. He did this to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and on those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, since they were fishermen. He said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Dear fellow redeemed, one thing I couldn't stand as a young child is when I started hearing an older person start bragging that they had it worse. You know, like I had to walk 10 miles to school in bitter cold, or I had to walk 
um, uphill and it was both ways. <laughs> or we didn't have a phone in our day. We opened the window and bellered out to the neighbor and he could hear us. Oh, always having it worse. Now I find I'm one of those guys, those old timers, so to speak. Oh, you might think to yourself, well, no, you're still pretty young, but yeah, going to end up being 60 in a couple months. And now I look back and I'm thinking, yeah, these newer pastors coming out, they didn't have it as hard as I did. I had to learn Greek, which is the New Testament language. I had to learn Hebrew which is the Old Testament language. And along with it, I had to take several years of Latin and, and, and German. Now, those in college are considered the Latin and German electives. Still got to take the Greek and Hebrew. But I, I will honestly say that out of all the languages I learned, English was my worst one. Oh, my worst grade by far. Is I... I always had problems trying to understand like an adverb. Oh, yeah, if it has an L-Y at the end, I can tell you what an adverb is, but not all adverbs have L-Y at the end. And an adverb can modify everything and anything. An adjective, only a noun, but an adverb, that can modify an adjective. It was always confusing to me until I started taking Latin in college. And then I finally realized how an adverb work. And more than that, I started understanding how the different figures of speech work and how the different verbs and nouns and, and subjects and predicates and how that all went together. It was a blessing to learn Latin, to better even understand the English language. And one thing that I came to learn is what an imperative is. An imperative is a verb that's used always at the beginning of a sentence, and it's always that word that's used like a command or an invitation. I can say to you, come here, and make it a command, or I can say, come here, and offer it as an invitation. But it's the same verb. It's, an, it's the imperative. And the reason I bring this up is because in our text, Jesus gives us two imperatives, but I'm going to add actually a third one, which is going to be our first one, and that is when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, and all of this text talks about discipleship, consider the imperative, recognize the Savior, understand who he really is as beautifully explained in the words before us. These words, by the way, are taking place about a year after Jesus was baptized, a year after John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is a year after Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert. And it's been a year since Jesus performed his first miracle at the wedding at Canaan. And it was during that year time when Jesus actually preached at Nazareth, his hometown, where Mary and Joseph were living. And it was there that after he got done preaching, they were going to take him and throw him outside the city and end his life by throwing him off a cliff. Jesus actually walked 
right through the middle of them and walked away. And as far as we know, he didn't return. In fact, what we do know is Jesus eventually would take his mother Mary and move her to the land of Galilee. So you've got the southern king or the southern region of Judah in the middle was Samaria and the north was Galilee. And he moved her to Capernaum and that would be the headquarters where Jesus would go out preaching and teaching. Capernaum was an interesting city, is that it was a city on the major trade routes, and it was also, it had a Roman garrison, and along with it, a tax collector's booth. Matthew, the very writer of this text, worked in that booth. Jesus called him to be a disciple, an apostle, when he was working at that booth. And Capernaum was right next to the Sea of Galilee. And there you would have the industry of fishing. And so it's not surprising to hear that Peter, Andrew, James, John were in that industry. This land is called, this land is called the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which would have been the two tribes that actually had control of this territory during the time of Joshua when they first entered and conquered the land that God gave them. Now it's called Galilee, and it was called Galilee 700 years before the birth of Christ by the prophet Isaiah. So Zebulun and Naphtali, those names didn't stick, but Galilee did. And it was referred to as the Galilee of the Gentiles, because the truth is, is this whole area, and it was quite a large area, controlled by King Herod, this area was made up of not just Jews, but quite a few of Gentiles. One thing for certain, it was made up of a lot of heathen people, a lot of unbelievers. Jesus will spend over a year in this area preaching and teaching. And it's not surprising, because this whole area, like all areas, the people were living in darkness. They were living in the shadow of death and the fear of death because of their sins. Oh, we may like to play the game that we think we're good for goodness sake, but the truth is, by nature, we are sinful human beings, and we commit sins. And where there is sin, we live under the horror of a guilty conscience, but we live under the fear of even death, because death is the punishment for sin. But a light has dawned, we're told, 700 years before, and that light is Jesus Christ. He's the light who's going to bring hope, because he's going to bring salvation. And more than that, the very Savior who's going to pay for the sins of the world. The very one who's going to grant people the hope of forgiveness and eternal life, which is the true light of the world. And only Jesus could bring this. This hope and peace that Jesus brings is what these people desperately and we do too. In fact, 
Not only is Jesus simply the light of the world who's going to preach the gospel message of salvation, but he's also the one who is also cares not only about their spiritual needs, but about the physical needs as well. We're told that he will go around healing every disease and every sickness among the people. He cared about these people. He cared about their welfare. And all these miracles, all these signs, was evidence over and over again that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior that we trust and believe in. There is no doubt. But dear friends, God doesn't have us guess who the Savior is. God doesn't have us play a mystery game where we got to find out all the, the different things going on in order to expose the mystery and finally figure it out. He laid out those prophecies. They were like fingerprints, and they matched Jesus perfectly. And because of those prophecies, like the one here, is proof that Jesus is the one, that Jesus really is that Savior. He really is that Son of God who left the glories of heaven, taking on human flesh in order to live that perfect life and to pay for our sins on the cross. By his blood we are healed because of that sacrifice he made. There is no guessing and wondering. You are worshiping the right Savior. And Jesus, in fact, is that only Savior. So heed his words. Take to heart his words. And especially these words. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. A holy command, a wonderful invitation. Repent. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that certainly sums up the two main teachings of the Bible, which is law and gospel. Oh yes, we repent because of the law that shows us our sins and causes us to cry, God have mercy on me, a sinner, as we did at the beginning of this very service. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And in the very gospel that points to the good news of Christ and all he did for us, that gospel which, through which the Holy Spirit works to create faith in our hearts, it is that gospel that leads us to trust in that forgiveness and to trust in that hope and to trust in that peace that is ours in Christ alone. Repentance is not just simply being sorry for your sins. The heart of it is faith, trust in what he has done for you. And why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven doesn't just refer to judgment day. The kingdom of heaven refers to the fact that since we have a kingdom, it needs a king, and Jesus is the king. So the kingdom of heaven is not just where Jesus is living now, but it's also Jesus working in the hearts of people here and now. And wherever Jesus is ruling in the hearts of people by his holy word, those people are his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is near because Jesus is here. And Jesus is that judge and savior and the king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus, because he 
he is here, now is the time to repent. Oh, please, please don't fall into Satan's trap of thinking that, yes, I'll repent later. I'll live my life and I'll live it how I want and I'll enjoy it. And then before, maybe perhaps before I die, I'll, I'll really take it serious and I'll repent. And God will have to take me because I was sorry. Because I, I really meant it this time. Do not mock God. Don't treat him as, as coming before the Lord is no big deal. Don't think of repentance like a light switch that you simply flip on and off at will and when you're in the mood. No, repentance is our life. It's who we are. We daily sin much and daily, every day, before our Lord, crying, Lord, have mercy, trusting in that forgiveness and the hope that is ours in him alone. Repentance, yes, is our life. It's who we are. And therefore, take to heart this beautiful message of Christ. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And also take to heart another invitation, another holy command. Come, follow me. Jesus said these words when he was up in Capernaum and he was at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus saw Peter and Andrew and James and John. By the way, this was not the first time he met these four gentlemen. He knew them about a year ago. In fact, these four were at the wedding at Canaan when he performed his first miracle. So now Jesus is calling them not to be believers. He's calling them now to be full-time apostles, full-time disciples, as he trains them to be apostles and really training them to be missionaries. So he calls them. And they drop everything and follow him without hesitation. No longer are they going to be fishermen, but they're going to be fishers of men. No longer are they going to cast out a net in order to pull in the fish. They're going to cast out the net of the gospel and, the, and that message of repentance in Christ Jesus alone. And they're going to be pulling in precious souls that desperately need the Lord because they're drowning in their sins. This is a privilege. This is an honor. None of these men deserved it. None of these men even earned it. It was only by the grace of God that they're invited to serve. And notice who he chose. He didn't choose men that were all like the Apostle Paul because Apostle Paul was a very educated man. These men were blue-collared workers. These men may not have gone to college. These were, you could say, simple folk working hard to make ends meet and provide for their family. And he calls these men to go and witness the greatest message that could ever be witnessed, the message of Jesus Christ. What an honor and a privilege. It doesn't matter how well educated you are. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor. Christ called disciples to go and make disciples. He called believers 
to go and proclaim his holy name. He could have extended that invitation to the angels, but he didn't give them the privilege. He gave it to us. And it is a privilege and honor. In fact, I will say it's the greatest privilege and honor that we could ever receive. Because when it comes to greatness, greatness is not how much money you make or what kind of house you have or how you outdo the neighbors and all the toys that you buy. Oh, greatness is not how much education you have and, and how many letters you can have after your name. But greatness is simply proclaiming the gospel message of Jesus Christ to another. There truly is nothing greater. And this comes from the one who is our epiphany Lord, the only Savior, the world Savior, so heed and take to heart the imperatives of discipleship. Recognize the Savior. Repent of your sins. And above all, come and follow, sharing the gospel message of Christ with all you meet. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.